Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In order to help you make better decisions, our Clark.com team continues to impress me with the incredible stories. I get uh, basically a catalog of the stories we post every week, and it just amazes me what an incredible team of journalists we have writing content that you can put to work in your life. Not every story is going to be something that speaks to you and is going to give you action to take in your own life. But that's the goal and that's the purpose is to cut through the clutter and all the noise of modern life and give you tools to make better decisions. I want to talk about decisions I want you to make when you're traveling by air the rest of this spring and this summer. There's things you need to know to deal with the turmoil going on in the nation's airline industry. The staff shortages have really affected the reliability of every airline flying in the United States. And later, I got a win-win to tell you when you've got a lot of loose change lying around your home or apartment. Well, the airline industry is going through such a transition right now. Business travelers that used to account for a small percent of travelers, but roughly half of income for the three full fare airlines, American, United, and Delta, they've only come back some. Leisure travelers have come roaring back. But at a time that the demographic problem the airlines have been having with staffing have only been magnified over the last few years by the disruptions of the slowdown in air travel and the pandemic. And airlines offering, particularly pilots, early retirement packages to lower their overall carry costs for labor, now that travel has roared back and is actually bigger than it was in 2019 before the pandemic, the airlines have been caught with their pants down. They don't have enough pilots. They don't have enough mechanics. They don't have enough gate agents, ticket agents, reservations agents. They don't got enough of anybody right now. And so the airline's reliability stinks. If you go back over the last few weeks, airlines have ended up canceling about 20,000 flights collectively. And it just seems to be a great rotation. Who's having a terrible time this day or this week or this month because it's been affecting everybody in the travel business, which means that in turn, you multiply out how many people are being affected. It's huge. The There was a story about, I mean, 
telling a story about spirit that's pretty easy target right but spirit had a flight that diverted from chicago was on its way to houston it's a weather problem sat down in tampa a woman was on that flight who was going to houston for life-saving surgery and spirit left her stranded in tampa for five days as her health deteriorated uh not a wealthy woman had no money for a hotel or anything like that she was having to sleep in the airport finally she ended up uh going on southwest and the tv story i couldn't tell if someone at the um, tv station that did a profile on her in tampa if somebody bought the ticket for her, i don't know how she ended up getting there on southwest but now she's been able to go to the hospital in Houston. And there are a few things that should happen. The feds should reinstitute the old rule that used to exist in air travel forever. It's called Rule 240. And what it meant was that if your airline failed to get you to where you were going, they have uh, whatever the problem is and they can't get you there. They have to buy you a ticket on somebody else to get to where you're going. We didn't have, when we had Rule 240, we didn't have the problem we have now where airlines, and and that was a spirit example I gave, but it could have been anybody where they just say, tough, you're stranded for who knows how many days because we didn't have our act together at the airline and you're the one who suffers the consequences too bad so sad and that's wrong Uh, there's a simple marketplace solution and that is for airlines to have to buy you a ticket on someone else airlines historically had what were known as interlines where they had negotiated that if we fly a passenger for you we pay you this much and in turn you fly a passenger for us we pay you that same amount And that's the right way to handle this, to not treat us as collateral damage. It would require people in Washington to actually care about the American people and about the consumer, but that should happen. In the meantime, what do you do? With how unreliable the airlines are now, it would be a really good idea when you can to fly either a nonstop or a through. A nonstop, obviously, you get on the plane, you get off at the other end, and you don't have to add in the exponential potential for a canceled flight, a delayed flight, a misconnection, bags going missing of a plane change. You also can avoid a lot of the math that would be an error for you at their fault, at the airline's fault, if you have a through flight. Through flight is an expression they use in the airlines. It's not very familiar to the public. It's where you might make a stop going to where you're going, but you go on the same plane all the way. Through flight has much less risk than a flight change. The other thing is go on a flight early in the day. Airline problems cascade over the course of a day, and usually a flight earlier in the day will be more reliable than a flight later in the day. As we approach summer and unaccompanied minors are 
more likely to be flying as they go to visit family or whatever. Especially important with minors, even if the airline doesn't require it to go a nonstop route and to go early in the day. Uh, Especially in the summer with the uh, thunderstorm problem in a lot of the country in the afternoons, early evening, the flight delays and cancels are much worse in the summer later in the day than they are earlier in the day. Um, The airline industry is going to get it together eventually because the marketplace will ultimately force the airlines to improve their reliability. But in the meantime, you're the one who has to protect yourself. Download whatever airline you're flying on, download their app to your iPhone or Android. Because if a flight problem occurs, you want to be able to act much quicker than you can standing in a line or waiting on a phone call. You want to see the airlines generally, when there's a flight cancel, will let you find your own alternative flight at no additional cost in their system by using the app. I also want you to know about apps like FlightAware, where you're able to track the movement of your flight hours before you're going to fly. So you can see, uh uh-oh, my flight is sitting on the ground two hours delayed in San Antonio. And it's not even going to be where I'm supposed to be till hours after I was already supposed to be where I was going. And so using the apps where you track the flight way earlier in the day eliminates the surprise and you're able to scramble and rebook before the problems really become last second. And I love travel. And I hate to dwell on the negative because even with the intense reliability problems from the airlines right now, most flights still go when they're supposed to. It's just the odds of you having a problem that leaves you stranded are much higher now, the chance much higher now than it used to be. And that's why you have to be prepared. And Krista joins me now to pose some questions to me that you've posted Uh, for me. Yes, I have a few about travel. Elaine in Florida says, we are planning a trip to Europe with a stopover in Reykjavik for a few days in the second half of September. Someone told us there is a high pressure to take out car insurance at the rental agency and upon return, they put your car on a lift to examine it thoroughly, looking for common damage from loose gravel. Do you recommend the insurance? So, Elaine, the thing in uh, Iceland is most people don't go off-roading in Iceland in the rental car. Um, the rental car contracts prohibit that. But when people go further afield in Iceland, a lot of the roads are uh, earthen or gravel. And that's when the damage does happen to rental cars. So if you're staying on the main routes in Iceland, then you don't have to buy the insurance, particularly if you have a credit card that provides primary coverage for temporary use of a rental car, which depending on the card is either 14 or 15 days of use, you're going to be using it a whole lot less. Um, Iceland, though, is one of the destinations that really strong arms you to take out insurance at the rental car counter and other places ireland 
they're really tough. Israel, they're really tough. Um, I guess it's any country that starts with an I. <laughs> so all three of those do. Uh, there is a suggestion I've given in the past. I'll give to you as well. See what Auto Europe offers if they're offering rentals in Reykjavik because Auto Europe for European rentals, they're like a, a wholesaler for European rentals. Their plans usually come with basic insurance already included, and the rates are competitive with other car rentals usually that don't have coverage included in the rental. And I'm jealous. I've twice been booked to Iceland. Both times I wasn't able to go. I've oh, never no. been there. And it's one of the end travel destinations. Staff trip. This is from Mary in Georgia. I'm planning a trip and the hotel gives a 35% discount hero rate for healthcare workers. Before booking, you must be verified with ID.me. Of course, they ask for your social security number and I'm hesitant to give this information. I'd be happy to give my nursing license, but that is not an option. Am I, am I being overprotective? So here's what I say about social security number. I always want you to be skeptical and reluctant to ever give your social security number. In a circumstance like this, it's the verification process involved. You always hand the risk that their database would be hacked into. But this is a worthwhile reason because you're judging a 35% discount versus which you know you get versus a possibility that they'll be hacked and your social security number will be compromised. In this circumstance, the certainty of the big discount outweighs what you would actually have at risk with your social. But before you accept by face value that the 35% discount is the best you can do, go see what a property you're interested in would cost using one of the hotel discounters like Priceline, potentially Hotwire. You may find that you are going to get a discount as large as 35% or greater where you're intending to stay than you would get with the nursing discount. And thank you so much for being a hero through COVID, repeatedly putting your life at risk to save the lives of others. And this is from Andy in Mississippi. I just heard news that my city is planning on adding a stop to the Amtrak route toward Atlanta. I want your opinion on traveling via railroad. Is it cheaper than driving and is it safe to travel with Amtrak? It's totally safe to travel with Amtrak. Is this the reliability theme <laughs> podcast? Because Amtrak on their longer routes, like the routes that go outside of the Northeast Corridor, although people in the Northeast, please don't fire back at me about how unreliable your trains are. The greater unreliability with Amtrak involves the long haul routes because Amtrak shares the track in most cases with freight lines that have priority on route. And so the delays are really, really uh, mind numbing on Amtrak's long haul train service and not Amtrak's fault. I know everybody loves to beat up on Amtrak, but that is not their fault. As far as being cheaper than driving for one individual, if just one person's going, the train would almost certainly be cheaper. But if two or more are traveling, traveling in your own vehicle would likely be cheaper per mile than taking the train. Um, some people take the train out of nostalgia, though. 
Do you remember when you and I got stranded after a series of meetings in New York Mm -hmm. and there was a a blizzard that shut down all the New York airports? When a plane went off the runway first at the- Yeah, Delta plane went off the runway at LaGuardia and then all the airports closed. And I had to be across the country the next day and we took an Amtrak all night long yep. to, Baltimore, to Baltimore, Washington International Airport. And um, the funny thing was we were so hungry <laughs> and we went to the dining car. Let me tell you, this is not the dining experience of old No, on Amtrak. It's uh, not the Queen's train. It is definitely not, but it got us there. It did. It was we great. We got our flight out of uh, BWI. And all's well. I love trains, actually. Well. Yeah. Well, I have shared the story in the past, but not in a couple of years, about what I do with accumulated coins. And do you know we have a huge problem in the country? You go to so many retailers or restaurants, and they've got the signs begging for coins. Well, you can help out, and it might help you in dealing with the national coin shortage coming up. So (laughs) I do this thing where over time, you just accumulate change. And what's funny is I almost never use cash anymore. I know this is terrible for retailers, but I have this wallet that I got for $9 that is one of those that has a pop-up thing for your credit cards and then it's got a little clip for cash. And I don't even know how much cash I have right now. Okay, you're going to be disappointed in me how much cash I'm carrying. 20, 40, 60, 70, 80, $80. I guess that's not too much cash to be walking around with. But I can't remember the last time I actually used the cash. Problem is, over time, somehow, I don't know, it's almost like magic. We end up with all these pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, and there's still a fair amount of people use cash. Retailers, restaurants are like pulling their hair out because they can't get any coins. You know, the banks that service them are out of coins. I mean, this is a real problem when you're trying to conduct business and you can help out. I don't want you to carry around a sack of coins Every time you go out and pour them out on a counter at a business, that's too much of a good thing, particularly when there's a line behind you. But I have repeatedly used Coinstar, where they have the machines all around the country, and you go there and Coinstar rips you off to the max if you just turn your coins into cash. I never do that. I turn them into at par, in other words, whatever number of coins I put in, I get a gift card kind of thing for a place that I know we're going to use. Last time, my wife has a desire from time to time to pay too much money for coffee and go to Starbucks. So I gave her last time an $87. I had $87 in loose change hanging around. And I gave her the Starbucks, it's almost like a paper receipt that has a code on it or whatever, and you use that, and you're able to use it Starbucks. Amazon 
off and on as a participant in it. If you're a regular Amazon Prime member, you can use it against purchases on Amazon. Right now, we need to stretch every penny, right? Forget stretching every dollar. We need to stretch every penny at a time of rising prices. And that change sitting around isn't getting better with age. It's losing value with age. So gathering up all those coins, going and turning them into money, the money equivalent that you can use at different places pushes coins back into circulation. And that's good for you. What I'm stunned about is we keep having complaints from people that their bank, whatever bank they do business with, charges them to accept their coins. I mean, who ever heard of such a thing? But anyway, you can avoid that by being a credit union member and not being charged a fee to turn your coins in and add them as a deposit to your account. Or you can do what I do, just go and pop them in the machine. It feels kind of like reverse Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas, I break out in hives. I, the whole thing of losing money in some clangy machine just really upsets me. And if you've never heard this story very quickly, Krista, who's about to come in in a second and ask me questions, I was in Las Vegas for the CES Consumer Electronics Show. And she asked me in a phone call to go play this machine called the Tabasco. This traumatized you because you did tell, tell this recently. It drives yes. me crazy. And so so I had to go to three casinos till I found a Tabasco machine. A guy looked it up for me in this book. And he said, oh, it's over there. Let me walk you to it. I lost your $20 in like four minutes in that machine. I was in a bad mood for hours. I'm very sorry. This was many years ago. And I can't get over it. <laughs> I cannot get over it. You know, you're supposed to let things go. It's not healthy for you. I can't seem to let that go. So when I go to the coin store and it goes, clang, 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 and then I end up with money out of it, you know, that I can actually go use. It's the opposite feeling like of that. your Tabasco machine. Let me go with you next time and we'll film that and we'll put it on our social media channels. Your oh, excitement star? about getting doing the reverse casino. Yeah, I, I I do like having money to spend, not money that I spent throwing it away on your stupid Tabasco machine. <laughs> I'm sorry, won't ever happen again. <laughs> you want to get to some questions? I would, okay. and, and so would everybody listening. They don't want to <laughs> hear about my angst with casino gambling. This one's from Peter in New York. Speaking of things that um, we don't do much anymore, using paper money and stuff, he says, I rarely write physical checks anymore, but one time I do is when paying Uncle Sam at tax season. I always like to keep copies of the canceled checks forever. This year, my check to the state of New York went through and I kept my digital copy of the canceled check, but my payment to the U.S. Treasury for the first time ever was deducted ACH. from my checking account via ACH even though I physically wrote them a check. I immediately called my bank who were aware of this practice and they suggested keeping the statement that reflected the transaction and that the statement would then act as proof. Also, if push ever came to shove, my bank said they would write a letter on my behalf signed on their letterhead indicating that I had indeed paid the U.S. government. Overall, I don't like this new practice, but at least I feel like my bank is behind me on it. What do you think? So this all goes back to a piece of legislation called Check 21, which was passed after the September 11th terrorist attacks, 01. I think it passed maybe in 02. And it's just been steadily spreading. The idea was to 
go to electronic records so that if uh, paper checks were destroyed, there was still an electronic record. And now, steadily, retailer by retailer, in your case, the IRS, anybody who still takes checks, which is a smaller number of organizations, they will, have you ever seen it? I don't know if this ever happened to you at a retailer. I watch people in line where they'll hand over a check and the person will put it through the register mm-hmm. and they'll hand them back their check and a register receipt showing that they process their check electronically. The idea of a traditional paper check has actually already vanished in a number of countries and we're kind of a laggard on that. So what do you do instead? Well, a lot of credit unions and banks now store an electronic image that is accepted as proof of every check you write. And with that electronic image that is actually in some cases better than having shown you wrote a check because it shows not only was the check written, but it also cleared is in this era potentially a superior form of proof of payment to what we had in the past writing a check. It is uncommon now for a financial institution to actually return your checks to you. They usually do a the digital image and then they destroy your check. The paper doesn't exist anymore. So just know that is where we're headed. And it's just been a generational move that will get more and more ingrained in how the payment systems work. From Nate in Oklahoma, I am a fairly new employee working for the federal government. I was wondering if it would be smarter to fully fund a Roth IRA before contributing to the TSP or vice versa. I'm already doing the 5% match in the TSP, but I'm unsure which option is better after that amount. So Nate, definitely do the TSP. The Thrift Savings Plan is the lowest cost retirement plan offered in America. The, I know everybody assumes the federal government messes everything up. They did this right and did it better than anybody else. So you can do the Roth TSP. It's not identical, but it's the same basic idea as a Roth IRA, but it's run at so much lower a cost than even the low-cost providers typically that it's superior to put that money into your TSP, your Thrift Savings Plan, than it is into your own Roth IRA. Now, there is one disadvantage. Last time I said this, that somebody uh, wrote in to disagree, and that is money in a Roth IRA is flexible and that if you need to have access to it, you can pull your contributions out at any time, tax and penalty free. You don't have that same flexibility with a traditional employer-provided 401k or with a TSP. And I want to tell you, I appreciate all your questions. I'm sorry we didn't get to all the emails sent in to us, but if you'd like one-on-one advice, do you know that's a free service we've offered for just short of 30 years? You can talk with someone at the Team Clark Consumer Action Center five days a week, six hours a day. You can see the full scoop if you go to clark.com slash CAC. Or you can call in at 636-49-CLARK. 